Drama listeners and new friends of the pod, welcome, Connor here. Thanks for joining us for this episode with Joel Harper Jackson. We are so excited to be chatting with one of the stars of Cock on the West End, where he is currently starring and co-starring with Jonathan Bailey, aka everyone's boyfriend from Bridgerton, aka my boyfriend. Anyway, thank you for finding the podcast. If this is your first time, check out all of our other episodes. We've got over 130 on the main feed. We release every single Wednesday, so go follow us wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Pods, leave us a great review. And in addition to those episodes that come out every week, we also release bonus episodes on patreon.com slash the drama podcast, where for $5 a month, you can hear extra episodes with Dylan and I chit-chatting away, our little twin talks. And we also put you on our close friends on Instagram, which is where the real drama happens. So thank you for finding us. Thank you for listening. You're going to love this cheeky chat with our new friend, Joel, and let us know what you think. Follow us on Patreon too. What are you doing? All right. On to the show. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life. I'm Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. Connor, it's an early, it's an early morning for us. It is, it is. But it's um it's midday elsewhere, and we'll get into it in a second. But, you know, we've been talking so much lately about how there's never been more going on in the Broadway slash theater industry. I feel like, you know, after several years, of course, of, the, of lockdown and quarantine and the pandemic and the- live theater not necessarily happening in the States right away, suddenly everything is so overwhelming. There's been like hundreds of opening nights, so much press, you know, of course, the Spring Awakening documentary that's that's come out with... Uh, the cast reuniting has been such great social media content to capture, and I need to, we need to talk about something because yeah. we're going to mention it all. What do you make of this Leah Michelle redemption tour that's <laughs> happening? You know, she was kind of canceled in summer 2020, but now she's back, and I I feel like people are just moving on. Well, I'll I'll always be the first to say that I do not love cancel culture. In the, I mean, who who does really? But it's it's something that it's like you know, if someone's going to apologize and try and redeem themselves, I wish that she would put her money where her mouth is and make up for perhaps some of the behaviors that have happened or rumors or whatnot. I don't want to get sued because Leah, we'd love to have you one day. Yeah, Leah, um, come on the pod. But Dylan, I was trying to think. She didn't. <laughs> she didn't ever say she did the thing she was accused of, which in the moment I was like so mad, but maybe that was her smartest business move ever. Maybe. Because now she's like, she never admitted to doing anything. She's a mother. She's, you know, she's grown up. You know, we all, if if I were judged by the worst thing I did when I was a teenager or perhaps in my early twenties, I would hate for people to view me in that way specifically. So, well, I just think it's funny, you know, she's going to red carpets. She's in the press saying she let Jonathan Groff take a lamp and look at her vagina. Like she's really out there in the press being kind of a lovable woman of whimsy all of a sudden. And it's confusing (laughs) me. It's confusing me, but not a woman of whimsy, Connor. I I, I think it's interesting. I think we'll see what happens next. I think that also, you know, there's this whole moment with, people saying that she should have been the lead in Funny Girl and this Broadway revival and whatnot. So who knows what will happen? It's So what happens now? What do you mean? Well, listen, 
I've been listening to our guest's album, which is called So It Happens Now. And oh, wig. I felt as if it was a perfect transition, a natural segue into bringing in a star that we have on the pod. Well, not only a star, but someone who I feel like this is, this is just the tip of the iceberg of this launch pad for what's, what's to come. And our favorite kind of guest, because they're from the UK. So I think it's time to start the yeah. episode. We can keep we can keep thinking about Leah as we go. Maybe that'll be a dose of drama for for me. I mean, it, I'm always thinking of her in weird ways, <laughs> so I completely understand. Bring in our guest. They're gonna be obsessed. So listen, yeah. our guest today is a Manchester-based actor and now an official hero, stepping on stage to replace Taron Egerton in Cock in the West End. He now plays M opposite Jonathan Bailey through June 5th. Before this role, this lad has made a name for himself in the UK, having starred as Charlie Price in Kinky Boots, Tom Price in Pieces of String, Orpheus in Myth, The Rise and Fall of Orpheus, and in the UK tours of The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime as Mr. Thompson, Rent, West End Women, and more. Those in England may also recognize him from Little Women, Jesus Christ Superstar, Beautiful, The Carol King Musical, Evita, Picture Perfect, Alice in Wonderland, and in the acclaimed production of the all-male Pacific Overtures at the Union. He will also be appearing in the movie musical version of Matilda coming to Netflix later this year. His original album, So What Happens Now, is available wherever you get music. Please welcome to drama Joel, Joel Harper Jackson. Jackson. That was quite something. Thank you very much. I think that's the best introduction I've ever had. Oh, Joel, <laughs> that's so sweet of you to say. It's so lovely to meet you. So lovely to meet you. Thank you for having me. You know, we we first heard your name a couple of weeks ago because you know Connor is a Jonathan Bailey fanatic, and you were in who is it? Who is it? Right? I know. Majority of the world is currently every single. One of my friends is like, so how is it? I'm like, come on. <laughs> I mean, you've worked with cool people before, but I feel like because of the whole Bridgerton of it all. Yeah, it, I think I think it's next. I, I think because the release date of Bridgerton kind of coincided with when Cock came out, it just went a little bit wild. Yeah. But yeah, this, it's, I'd say it's probably his um, most famous point yet. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's wild. You are in the UK. You're from the UK. Are you Manchester based originally? Yeah. So, uh, well, just down from Manchester, I live in the countryside on a farm. I've, I moved back up there about four or five years ago. I live in the village where I grew up on a house on one of my sister's farms. But I, I have a flat in Manchester that I rent out, and a lot of my life is is up there. So. Yeah, I don't think you necessarily need to live in the the big city anymore to do this job because, you know, everything's Zoom auditions and Skype auditions and things like that. So it's not really necessary anymore. That's great. Zoom podcasts. It's it's funny you say that because um, we mentioned beforehand, we chatted with Fra Fee back in the winter and he's in a similar situation as you. He lives outside of London now in like a, a country house. Oh, lovely. I, I, I like London. But, I mean, it's always very stimulating. There's something to do. Uh, all my, lots of my friends are here, but really, I like a simple life, and I just want it, it's it's too loud, it's too noisy. The people aren't very nice, and, and the water's just a bit gross. <laughs> and the quality of life just up north is so much cheaper as well. You can you can get so much more for your money. So it's not really necessary anymore. So. Yeah, I can see why a lot of people are moving out. And and then, of course, 
you moved there pre-pandemic, before the lockdown, you were away from the city, right? Yeah, I think I'm, I think I moved back after Curious Instant, and then you know, with with this with this job, it's as, as I'm sure you can imagine, it's it's not consistent. It's always all over the place. So I just kind of go where the work is. I have my base up north where I can always retreat to, and uh, my family's there, my my dogs are there, um, and my partner's there. So I I have a lovely unit up there. But I was having this conversation the other day with my with my partner. This, we're never going to be in one place for the rest of our lives because it's consistently just going to be changing, which I find a little bit, you know, I would like a little bit of normality and a little bit of certainty, but I think my my love for the job kind of overrides that. So I just kind of have to get used to it. So when the lockdown happened, was it almost sort of like a sigh of relief in a way that you were able to stay present in one place for a while or did you still move around? I had the best time in lockdown. So that point I actually moved into city centre Manchester with my best friend and I think I just finished Kinky Boots I was doing that for about 16 months and I was exhausted it was um everything's up in the stratosphere note wise you know he's only, he's only off stage for about 10 minutes and it was a different city every two weeks so I was just exhausted and I just I kind of felt like lockdown was the one moment where I could just you know get off the treadmill Everyone was in the same boat. You never felt like you had to be doing something. Uh, so we had this city centre apartment with huge roof terrace when we were just constantly out there sunbathing. We got a dog. We'd have pina colada Thursdays and Tuesdays and Saturdays. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, just enjoyed yourself. It was a, I, as, as hor- horrible and awful as it was for our industry, because it really was, I had the best time. And fortunately, I had some something to do creatively. That's when I started recording the album. So I, I kept myself afloat with that creatively. That's awesome. I, I'm obsessed with your album. I've been listening to it nonstop. You have such a beautiful singing voice and you picked like some of my favorite songs. Really? Oh, good. Well, those are some of my favorite songs as well. That's why I did them. I originally wanted to, because I, I write my own stuff as well, but I, I'm a little bit nervous about, I don't know why, just putting it out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I thought I'd just choose songs that I love, slightly turn them on their heads. I think I let some of my family choose. So Do- Do- Jolene, Dolly Parton, my, my mm-hmm. three nieces and nephews. And they're like, what, what song do you want me to do? And they're like, Jolene, because they it's similar to my name and they all sing it to me. So, oh. Yeah, and uh, people would always call Jolene was my nickname in high school. So I was like, yeah, okay, that's a good idea, actually. So it was the last song that I recorded. Hopefully a nice nickname. Hopefully not a, not a bullying nickname. No, no, no. It was always, no, no, no. I, I, didn't, I didn't really, well, maybe it was, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're not going there. We're not going to unearthing trauma. <laughs> it, was, well, it was coming from all of my friends anyway, so. Okay, okay. But yeah, um, I then recorded it and got it all ready and played it to them. And of course they were expecting like something really upbeat, Dolly Parton and uh, jovial. And then of course my song <laughs> comes on and they were just like, Oh, can we have the other one back on now? Like it's, they have, well, I mean, they're like three or four. So they were just like, yeah. is it, mom, this is rubbish. Can you put the other one? <laughs> <laughs> like, Little shits. I did this for you. <laughs> You know what song is such a bop? I don't want to miss a thing. And it was, I think it was one of our prom songs in in high school. It was junior year. Yeah. Junior prom. I am obsessed with that song. I I think it's, 
I absolutely loved the movie as well, like as a kid. And then I watched it the other week, actually, funnily enough. And I was like, this film is pretty shit, actually. <laughs> I didn't even know there was a movie. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you know, um, Bruce Willis, Liv Tyler, Ben Affleck. It's about um, a meteor coming to the Earth. Oh. And that was like their theme song. Actually, you know what? I did know it was a movie because I believe the song either won or was nominated for an Academy Award. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Liv Tyler is in the film and Steve Tyler sings the... Uh, yeah. I, I, I absolutely love it. So I thought I'd do a little duet of it with my um, my housemate and one of my best mates. So this was who you were living with at the time? Uh, no, this is another mate. He, he's uh, We lived together in London um, years years prior. Um, this is a funny story about... Uh, oh, I've got so many funny stories to say. Um, me and Simon were living together and I was in Beautiful at the time. And Simon, um, who's now in Heathers playing JD, um, oh, cool. he was auditioning for my track in the show. So I was going through all the material with him and Jerry, there's this one scene where like the director was really specific about, and well, he essentially has like a mental breakdown. So I was going through it with him again and again and again. And at this point, it's probably the height of summer um, and it was boiling so that all the windows were open. And, um, you know, he really has to scream and shout and like completely like, you know, have a breakdown. Uh, anyway, we finish and then go downstairs. My partner is like hanging up washing it at the time. We're watching, you know, From Here to Eternity on Sky Art. It's like this uh, gayest thing you'll ever, ever hear. <laughs> that literally is. Then, I love From Here to Eternity, though. Did you? <laughs> it's, um, it's, got, it's beautiful to look at at times, right? Yeah, it was. It really was. So then all of a sudden, we're all just chilling after Simon's just like completely broken his heart. And then we get this really, really aggressive bang at the door. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, maybe it's just Faye, our housemate. She's drunk and she's forgot a key. So I go to answer the door and there, this is no joke. And you can, you, you can Google this and like it's in every news article ever. There stood is about six policemen with shields and guns. And I completely lost it. I was like, is everything all right? They were like, sir, we, um, we do have shields and we do have guns. We, we have heard that there's a firearm on the premises and that someone is pleading for their life. I was like, no. And I, I don't, I don't know why. I just thought, how can I be like the, the most, um, the least intimidating possible. So I just went extremely like, no, 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 it's fine. No, 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 everything's okay. And <laughs> took my voice three ups. Anyway, they were like, can we come in? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. All these police start coming through the ha- like completely suited up, like jackets, what are they called? You know, like firearm jackets, bulletproof vests. Like, yeah, Kevlar vests. Yeah. Exactly. And then they were like, is there a gun on the premises? And I was like, no, of course not. They were like, do you mind if we search the house? Anyway, what seemed to be six, they then all come through the back over our vegetable patches. In total, there was about 15 there. And then they searched the house, obviously didn't find anything. And they were like, so we've had a report from one of the neighbours that someone's been pleading for their life. And obviously, we just went, <laughs> we were like, has anything happened tonight? Has there been an argument? I was like, well, no, but... um we're actors and we've been rehearsing the scene and they were initially were all very like, has anything happened? And then they just went, no, they're fucking acting. 
<laughs> and then we're just like, oh, right, okay, no worries. We've just, so, a neighbour's just reported it. So we were just all just like completely shitting ourselves. And then, yeah, they all left in their bands. And then the next minute, Simon put a tweet out saying, when you get, you know, when you're rehearsing a scene and then you have police knocking on your door, the press got hold of it. And then it was on, of course, it was on the telly the next day. And then it was in the Guardian. And so, yeah, it was quite a, quite a story. That is crazy. Did he get the part? He didn't. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, hey, he got a good story out the of it. The worst thing was, because I know, I know the casting director, when he went into the room, she was like, that was a publicity stunt, wasn't it? It didn't actually happen. And we were like, no, that, that really did actually happen. You just couldn't rise it. That's crazy. So, yeah, that, I would have been shitting myself. I don't think I would have survived the night. Yeah. It was a lot. We were just like, huh? But yeah, what <laughs> a story. Gonna, um, if, if I ever get on the, you know, the red chair on Graham Norton. Do you guys have Graham Norton? I, we do. You know where they tip you back? That's going to be my... <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> I love Graham Norton. I think that he is like one of the best of the best. Like he's like one of my favorite of those. I, I, he's shows. a good judge yeah. on Drag Race UK as well. Very good. Very good indeed. Yeah. So you watch as well? Oh yeah. As many as we can keep up with. <laughs> Con- constantly, isn't it? It's just, I, mm-hmm. I only got introduced to it in lockdown with my partner and it was the year that it was Bimini. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Obsessed. She was quite the breakout star. She was my favorite. Uh, I from I think it was from the third episode. I was like, oh, her, she is my favorite. I want her to win because she was just so different and individual, and you know, just there was no kind of bullshit. It was just kind of like, this is what I think. Like, yeah, and I just really respected that. Yeah, yeah, I love Definitely. her. I think RuPaul just liked saying trying to say Lawrence Cheney, and so that's probably why Lawrence ultimately won. So Bimini will have her death. Yeah. You know who I loved is Kitty Scott Claus. Yeah. She's so fun. She has such a way of... She she would be a great host or like presenter or something like that. She's just got a really lovely way about her, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. I feel like she's NT as well, you know? She just finished doing Death Drop. And on the West End. Yeah, I feel like she actually trained at Mountview or something like that. I'm sure. She- okay. Did you know her or Ella Vade in real life? No, I mean, it was one of my Ella Vade's my one of my best friends' uh, ex, and that's not about the only drama. So you weren't rooting for Ella. I'm just kidding. <laughs> drama. Um, wait. So going back, 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 back to when you brought up Simon, who is an amazing singer, and he's on your album. What was it like re- releasing this album and having it out there into the world? Because I know it, it came out during lockdown, right? Yeah. It, well, I mean, it, it was lovely. I mean, it was never something to you know get in the charts or anything like that. Obviously, it was just something to to look back on and something to. I, I, I just want. I want to experience and do as many parts of the industry as possible so i just thought well i I want to release an album you know i don't want to wait forever i want i want to do it whilst my i can still you know sing um because eventually like you know it's not going to last forever is it so um i just thought you know i'll just do it myself and um it was something for my mom as well she I i thought she'd love something like that it was lovely. It was really, really nice. I had lots of support. I made all the money back that I put into it. So, and I've got something to kind of look back on. So, um, 
I'm, I'm sure. Oh, wait, I feel like that's rare. That's so cool. Yeah, I did well. I did well because I, I, we kind of took an old school approach as well. Now someone was like, you should make CDs. Yeah, absolutely. Like, but like any concert or gig. So I always sell my CDs and it just makes its money and like tips over. But yeah, I feel like I've scratched that itch and it's not, I, I don't really want to, I mean, maybe one day like release another one, but I, I think for a, not for a long time. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's so cool. I completely, you know, we jumped right into this, but I, I forgot to ask you, you know, obviously you're in this crazy moment in your own career right now, sort of being thrust into the spotlight with cock, which is the name of a play y'all. Haven't we all as queer people been thrust into the spotlight with cock? Connor. <laughs> Anyways, Joel. <laughs> Very good. Connor. Very. Yeah. Yeah. Connor had to get that in there. Um, <laughs> now, Joel, are you well? I am well, yeah. It's been a stressful a couple of months with all that's gone on, but like uh, at the same time, it's also been like what feels like the start of something big, uh, and what feels like things start to be, you know, really uh, getting easier in in some ways, but which can feel slightly overwhelming. So I am well. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I have my days where I'm like a little bit, oh God, help me. But yeah, for the majority, for, for the vast majority. I'm really well. I think I'm just very tired. I think if I was more settled and rested, I could really enjoy this moment, Re- like really enjoy it. But um, yes, yeah, so some days I, it can just be a little bit overwhelming, can't it? Because let's face it, when I took this job on, I was understudying Johnny and Taryn. So I was cover up for both of them. You know, I was in two minds of whether to take the job because in my head, I was like, well, you know, I'll probably never get on. Like I'll, I'll just be watching them in the rehearsal room because I really wanted to like watch and learn from them and work with Marianne. Um, and after lockdown, I think, I don't know, I don't speaking for myself, like I think what well, we all had a little moment of like, can I do this anymore? Like I, I needed like something easy to get myself back into it. And then all of a sudden I'm taking over the part, which, which is, you know, it's huge. This is colossal. It's such a big moment for me. But I was like, whew, God, all right, better prove yourself now. So um, I am well in answer to it. Yeah. I probably 75% of the time I'm well. <laughs> the smile on your face at the end there, it did convince me. I believe it. And it's crazy you saying like you weren't sure if you'd really go on. Because I remember the first time I heard your name, it was because you went on mid-show and made your debut. Like, Was it like partway through? Yeah, it was at the dinner table. So it was probably, we had about 20, the plays one hour 45 and it's straight through there's no interval so i, pr- I probably mm. had about 20 minutes left of the show that uh, we had to pick up on so yeah it was uh, again uh baptism of fire so you were just chilling backstage yeah all the understudies have um there's four of us we're very close i absolutely love them we were just listening it's good it's the first night we had the tannery on so we were listening to everything and you know like on our phones like doing doing bits and bobs and then of course all of a sudden there's this, uh, we hear something go slightly awry with the, the lines and then just silence. And then um, Phil, who plays my dad, uh, he said, can we get a paramedic? And we're like, what? What on earth has happened? Fortunately, there was a paramedic in the audience and um, the curtain came down eventually after five minutes like of, of him being on stage after... Um, uh, collapsed and uh yeah I, in total i think there was a break of about 40 minutes 
in that time, they came into our dressing room and said what had happened. They said it's absolutely fine. He's been checked over. So I was like, okay, cool, no problem. Like he'll be he'll be back up and running in no time. And then uh, ten minute, another ten minutes go by, and then they come back into my room and say, would you mind just getting into your costume just in case? I was like, okay. And then another ten minutes come by, go by, and they're like, okay, we've um, we've had a chat, and we just think it's the responsible thing, um, considering what's happened, to put you on instead. I was like, right, okay, yeah, okay, all right, let's do it. And then um, they're like, we'd like you to go on with your script. I was like, okay. Um, I was like, yeah, sure. And then I got on stage. Everyone, everyone was flapping more than I was. It was. We were like, can we run lines? I was just like, guys, just let's just crack on and do it. Like, you know, it will be fine. And I got on stage and then I was holding my script. And I was like, I feel like this is going to get in the way. So I just put it down on the side. And then, like, fortunately, everything um, stayed in my mind. And uh, we were just greeted with this huge, huge round of applause and screams from the audience. So I was just like, oh, well, you know, let's just do it. Let's crack on. I felt in very safe, safe hands. And then before I knew it, it was, it was over. Right, because there was only a bit left, right? Yeah. And now I have not read or seen the play, but my boyfriend read it in school and absolutely loves it. And he told me that the end isn't exactly the easiest job for an actor, just, just jumping in there. How did you just drop in and, you know, assume what had all happened over the first hour and, and change and just go for it? It was obviously quite overwhelming. So I think in those situations, I just tried to breathe, relax, and then fo- just focus on the others and the, what they're saying and the story that we're, we're saying. Of course, like, you know, we all had to, the audience certainly had to use their imagination. Um, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not Taryn. So yeah, I, I don't know, just focus on, focus on the other actors, like listen, listen to them and just, do what you can. I mean, there's, uh, it's, a, it's a completely ridiculous situation, but you know, we've just got to get on and, and do it. So, um, it, yeah, it was, it was over in the blink of an eye. It, it was obviously, you can imagine adrenaline was pumping. Yeah. Just happened so fast. Well, hats off to you. That's so exciting. And just, I mean, I'm, it was, it was news over here too. Now you called Jonathan this? Bailey Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny, yeah, that's an, yeah. So, so that's that's who you that's how you what you call him when you're his friend. Okay, interesting. I need to. I'm just remembering these things. Um, Joel, <laughs> in the in the play, it's about a gay man who he realizes he might have feelings for a woman. Is that what it's about? Yeah. So essentially, um, Johnny plays John, funnily <laughs> enough, and I play his partner. And we've been together for seven years. Um, as far as I'm concerned, we're gay. Um, we, this is a very homosexual relationship. You know, that's what we all have always been. Their relationship is slightly strained. Um, I'm, my character is a lot more controlling and, um, he's basically John's kind of turned into M's plaything. He absolutely loves him and needs him and can't do without him. But, you know, it, it happens in relationships. You, you start to lose respect in some ways and it can become a little bit toxic. John ends the relationship, uh, and in that time where he goes away in two weeks, he's been away from him for two weeks, he meets a, a lady and eventually has sex with her uh, and sees that, oh my God, there's something actually there. Am I gay? So after doing that, he runs back to his initial boyfriend, M, and then kind of comes clean. And then he's John, Johnny's part, John from Baby's part, um, is essentially in a relationship with both of them at the same time. 
and then my character decides to invite her around for dinner and let's just talk this all out and sort it all out. I'm sure it'll be absolutely fine because I'm going to fucking win. And then it transpires into this huge, just ridiculous thing. And then Ivan decided to invite my dad around to the dinner table as well. And it, it's, so it's obviously laced with so much humour, but it's also really painful. Like it's a really painful, it's a really painful show to do at times because like it's all laughs and laughs and laughs and laughs. And then like, as you say, Dylan, at the end, it's, it's horrible and it's really ugly. And so yeah, I guess it's about labels and whether, you know, they were one thing. And then once we've said that, is there any coming back from it? And then you almost have to mm. come out again. So it is that I am that. So does that mean I now have to do this? I am this. So I don't know. It's like, do people feel more comfortable? I don't know. It's so it's a question about labels and whether it's necessary in our society anymore. And I, I think to a certain extent they are, um, because I think there's a lot of people that don't feel like they they fit in or they have a, a community. But I think in the long run, I hope that it's not really necessary. You know, I'm watching like my my nieces. Uh, my, I've got a niece who's 14, and there's, she said there's about 40 queer kids in her in her year. So I'm so excited to see what their grandchildren are going to be like. And you know, it's not going to be a case of, "Hi, mum and dad. This is," and they're a boy. They're a good. Like I, I just hope it's you know, a kid can just bring home a person, and it's who they love, and there's no question about it. But I think for the time being, maybe labels are necessary, but hopefully they'll be eradicated from not users. Very, very well said. I completely agree with you. You know, it's it's very much in the news right now with. Harry Styles, who has become a bit of a queer icon and saying that he doesn't abide by any labels and it's all a private thing and people are really upset about it. And I think that he might be at the place where he doesn't feel that they're necessary, but there's that part of, well, maybe right now, right now it still is, you know? And so I completely agree with what you're saying, Joel. I think that's very insightful. Yeah. I think representation really must and people need to, I think, I think it's better in our country. I think, I think our country is a lot more open-minded. Maybe that's what, maybe that's why he hasn't. Maybe because, you know, if you think about it, there is no huge movie stars who mm-hmm. are openly gay. You know, it's because, well, for, for so many reasons, but there's clearly a lot of work that needs to be done. So in some ways, I'm like, yeah, we, we, being an actor, you know, I think we should kind of should respect his privacy and, you know, it's none of our <laughs> fucking business. But at the same, same time, I'm kind of like, you know, we are in the public eye. And because of that, I think we need to be the ones that, that are doing the challenging and that are, that, you know, it's our duty to pave the way. So it's a funny one. I kind of feel slightly conflicted in both ways. I'm for it and I'm also against it because of the privacy thing. I'm like, leave them alone. But then I'm also like, mm, but we are. Yeah, <laughs> it is a complicated debacle for him to face or for anyone to face. But have you, you have a partner who you've mentioned a lot of times. And have you always been open with who you are throughout your career? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I came out when I was 11. So, I was, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I was, You're a trailblazer. <laughs> 
Well, that, well, this, this is a thing. I mean, I, I kind of knew my own mind and I was like, I'm gay. That's what I am. And then it's only as time got, has gone on that I, I think we've all kind of had a moment with a, a John moment with this job. And, well, if we're being that black and white and like I'm predominantly gay, what does what does that mean then? Like, does that mean I, you know, I don't find women sexually attractive? I was like, because, you know, I certainly want to spend the rest of my life with a man romantically. That's where I'm, that's what makes me feel complete. But I don't know, sexually, uh, I don't know. So does that make me, mm-hmm. does that make me bisexual? I don't, I don't know. I, that's the thing. It's, I don't think it's, um, I, ca- I came out at such a young age and now it's only as I've gotten older that I've kind of gone, oh, it's actually grey. It's not black and white. Mm. So I do, I do think I, you know, my heart certainly lies with a man, but I don't know. Was I, was I right to come out that? Young, I don't know. I, I think so, but you know, yeah. So always asking the question. That's very freeing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you're alone in that. You know, it's not everything is one way all the time. That's why I loved. There's art like cock and things like that that might show that it's not always necessarily in a one way street yeah. with sexuality or it's a spectrum. It's a spectrum. You know, it's much more fluid. It is. It very much, very much so is. And hopefully, I think if, I think if the stigma was eradicated from sexuality, you, I think we would see so much more of it. And it's only because it's this like taboo, dirty thing, which is ludicrous. I can't mm-hmm. still, still find it baffling that we're still having to have these conversations, but we are. Yeah. But yeah, it will get better. But I, I certainly think if, if there wasn't any stigma attached to it, like the vast majority of the population would be just fluid and I, I don't know i just like who i like yeah. yeah how long have you been with your partner um we've been together coming up two years <sighs> congrats that's so exciting okay so, wait, so now going back to 11 so you come out at 11 we we do like to kind of revisit that early phase in in a performer's life we've we've taken a um a turn from the musical fun home where the young character allison saw someone with a ring of keys around her belt loop and she realized she saw herself in that person for the first time. We don't apply it to sexuality necessarily in on our podcast, but we call this ring of keys moment what it is because it's that moment when you maybe realized you wanted to be in the arts or pursue a life of acting or singing. Do you feel like you had a moment in your youth or maybe a little bit older where you thought, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing because I see myself and I know this is what I need to be pursuing? Um, I think... The kind of moment where I was really like, this is what I want to do. I think I was about 14, 15. Um, we were in high school and it, you know, I was certainly the one that loved. I absolutely adored it. But, you know, being in, in that environment where you have so, like so many kids in the class that didn't want to be there, there was like, you know, only three or four that actually wanted to do it. You are often judged. And then the school arranged this like drama weekend in Wales with really cool, um, like practitioners and like just really abstract and like weird stuff. There was suddenly no boundaries and there was no one there looking and judging me. And I just felt like I can just let go. And then teachers were all just like, Oh my God. Right. Okay. And then we got back, uh, on the Sunday afternoon and my parents were in the car park waiting for me got in the car and then my drama teacher put her head through uh, the window of my parents' window and was just like, I've never seen him like that. And like, that boy is going to be a star. 
And so it was, it was hearing that from my drama teacher that kind of made me go. And seeing the reaction on my mum and dad's face that where they were like, huh, right, okay. So that's the first <laughs> moment that made me go, right, maybe I, maybe I can do this. I, d- I didn't know whether I, I could do it as a career because no one, I, I knew no one, unless it's that thing of representation again, like no one around me, I've never seen anyone do it. You know, I was going to be a property developer with my dad and just <laughs> do normal stuff. I didn't know, I didn't know there was any formal training. And then I, I, a couple of years, I did start doing opera for a couple of years. And then I was doing a show of Footloose, an Andron show. And then someone was in the audience and they offered me a scholarship to, to train. So I was like, uh, right, so yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, why not? And so it all just kind of happened. But yeah, there was certainly a few years where I was like, I don't know what to do with my life. But finally, uh, it just found me. And yeah, I realized I could. I love it. special. And, you know, the show you're in now finishes up at the beginning of June. And this, this does feel like a moment for you. Like the sky is the limit. What is your dream for what happens next? Um, well, I don't know about next, but if, if we're talking sky's the limit one day, yeah, I, I, I want, I want, I want to be in films. I'm, I'm re- I really, I don't know why I've just had it from a child. I want to, <laughs> I want to be in action films. Yeah. Yes. I, I, Listen, I, I see it. I, 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 I totally see it. You've got the look, Joel. Thank you. But my thing, my thing is, I. It's it's the gay thing as well. I've never seen like like an openly gay, not like I don't mean like action hero, like you know, fucking shitty action. I mean like like a fucking cool James Bond villain or something mm-hmm. like that, or even fuck it, James Bond. Um, yeah. I do something really really slick, really high quality, but you know, the character is gay, and the actor playing him is gay, I and mean, he also is you know kicks fucking ass um i love it there's a gap in the market for it i mean i think that people would watch yeah that's the thing i, I don't think there's anything anything like that but yeah ultimately i want to experience every area of the industry i certainly don't want to say goodbye to musicals forever but i think now um unfortunately people have this kind of idea in their head that if you've done musical theater you can't really act it's not as bad over in the states but i, I feel like it, it is over here so, mind you saying that, Johnny, I mean, he won an Olivier for company. Yeah. Marianne's one of the directors, one of the few directors that is just like, oh, I love all, like, you know, bring me loads of musical theatre actors to do my plays. Um, so I'd like to do, I'd like to try screen for a bit and more plays. But ultimately, yeah, I would like to, I'd like to, I'd like to be in film. I love it. And and you are in Matilda that's coming out, right? Oh, right. Okay. I mean, that's just, uh, just on my spotlight. So I am in it, but you I blink, it. blink and you miss me. Okay. Uh, okay. But what happened? My, I know the choreographer. Uh, we'd done a show together before and uh, I was working up north uh, in COVID testing. And um, she was like, hiya. Um, so someone has um, got COVID. Can you come and start tomorrow? I was like, what? I was like, <laughs> And the money was just like next level stuff. So I was like, oh yeah. Um, but like, honestly, I'm not like, I won't be getting nominated for any awards for this. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Wait, speaking of awards, I do have a question. Are you going to be eligible for an Olivier or is it, or would Taryn be? I assume it would, I'd be eligible for it, but I, uh, yeah. 
I really do not know. I'm trying. We need to be in a whole year from now because it was just past the cutoff. Yeah, I think the nominations normally come out in February. I've had loads of friends saying this to me and I'm like, please just don't get my (laughs) hope. You'll forget about it as the year goes on and then maybe it'll be a nice surprise. That's not even. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm thinking about openly gay heroes and whatnot. And I know that he kind of went back in the closet, but Richard Madden has done some big things (laughs) where he like was in the bodyguard and then he was in the Eternals. What? This is news. Yeah. Wait, Joel, he's, like, allegedly gay. No, he takes, like, brunette twink roommates who mm-hmm. are also actors and, like, w- walks around Hollywood with them. Yeah. It, have we well, blown your mind? I have never heard this. Give it a Google after this. Ask around. Yeah. Ask around. It's- and in the whole press tour for Eternals, because mo- that movie had some gay superheroes in it, you know, the Marvel movie that was out with all the stars, he was kind of, like, dodging around the questions of... He's kind of like discreet. I mean, he's on the DL about it, but you know, it's <laughs> yeah. He was in the bodyguard. Well, they had to not to be closeted and still be playing these parts. God, you know, right. in my mind, I would absolutely love to know who actually is because, of course, there's, there's loads of them out there. But I just oh yeah, and I wonder if it, it, it ever will come out or whether they actually will. You know, once they've had their time and they they feel that they. They can be honest because the studio doesn't require them to be straight. I know. Well, remember Kate Winslet, Dylan? She was like interviewed with something and she, she basically said, basically everyone's gay. You just oh, don't yeah. know it. She's That's like, right. you'd be surprised. She's like, you know, the secrets they keep in Hollywood because of the risk they take, which is kind of like a through line of our conversations. But, you know, people just don't come out for whatever reason. But I suppose they, they worry that their career would be at risk if they would isolate, yeah. you know, an audience or, you know, whatever. Such drama. Okay, speaking of drama, we do like to end our episodes on a dose of drama, something to leave our listeners with, whether it be a pop culture recommendation, something you want to rant about, rave about, promote, just send everyone out into the world thinking of and um, potentially consume or just start a conversation with. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick mine off today. I don't think I've talked about this on the pod yet, but I saw the Olivia Rodrigo concert. Did I talk about this, Dylan? No. No. And do you know who that is, Joel? I do. I mean, I'm, I, I haven't followed her um, a lot, but I have to say I absolutely love uh, the song Traitor. Oh, it's the best song. I absolutely love that song. It's her best. Is yeah. it? And I, in the concert, that was her best one, but I saw it in New York City at Radio City Music Hall, and I could barely... I'm, I'm really showing my age, my late 20s here, but... The teeny boppers that were screaming every single song, mm. I could barely hear Olivia. And it is like a deep space where if you're in the back, yeah. you are in the back. But oh my gosh, I was like, wait, I paid money for this? Like it was <laughs> the equivalent of watching a concert on YouTube when you can like still sort of barely hear them, but you just hear the screaming crowd. And it's drama because I was thinking to myself, you know. I get why we go to concerts to like experience this together and hear our favorite songs sung by our favorite singer or whatever. But man, I really wanted to hear her sing. And all I heard was the girl behind me screaming her face off. So, but I did hear Trader actually. That one came through. It was towards the end. So maybe the girls, you know, their vocal cords were a little bit weak. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just drama. Sometimes you just want, you know, Lord was shushing her crowd recently at a New York show. And yeah. I understand why to, to an extent because. I want to I want to feel the music in the room and share it and see what the artist is doing not necessarily mm-hmm. what the the teen girls 
are scream crying over, but yeah, that's I, fair. I don't want to like um, yuck their yum though. If they're having fun, that's nice. No, yeah. I'm completely with you. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a wise idea for the artist to give the the audience a moment to sing. Like you know, like when Queen put it to the audience and they'd sing "Love of My Life" or something like that. But you know, the vast majority oh, just be quiet. But yeah, um, Connor, I'm, I'm with mm-hmm. such a grumpy old man when it comes to stuff like that. Be quiet. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, my dose of drama is actually something that I started watching last night. I'll have finished binging by the time this episode is even, you know, finished downloading. But I started watching Heartstopper on Netflix, which everyone's talking about. Is this yours, Joel? Yes. We could talk about it together then. Are you are you loving it? So the first episode I actually hated because I thought it was really just a little bit too sweet and I was like, well, oh, come on. But by the end, oh my God, was I invested. So you finished? I, oh God, I think I finished it within two days, yeah. Okay, yeah, I did four of them last night. Where are you? <laughs> so I have four more. Up to them. The last episode I watched was called Kiss. So the- there was a scene in the rain and there was an umbrella. Oh my God, it was so adorable. This show is so cute. Wait, I, guys, I, tell I, me what it's about. I've seen all, everyone's like tweeting, like, this was my heart stopper with memes of like the first mm-hmm. time they saw gay representation on screen or in media. But what is it really about? Well, it's basically just a really sweet coming of age, uh, coming out story. Uh, one, one lad is gay and then uh, he falls in love with a guy who is bisexual. And I think, I think, there's a, a lot of people talking about it because it has no trauma in it. And of course, like, oh, you know, it can be very traumatic for kids and my, my generation, like people coming out mm-hmm. in a horrible experience. So people are like, oh, come on, that doesn't really happen. So, but it's just a really sweet, lovely tale of teenage life. And it, there's, there, mm-hmm. there is no, there is no nastiness. Or, I mean, there's a little bit of homophobia with one guy, but. It's quite beautiful and simple. And I was just like, oh my God, we, of course, it doesn't have to be, you know, horror stories of the 80s or things like that. That doesn't have to be our, our, you know, our story anymore. It can be something really cute and just simple and lovely. Oh my God, yeah. I love it. It sounds like it's literally the plot of Cock, though. It's like a bisexual man and a gay man who are... <laughs> Yeah. Honestly, well, there's also other. There's a there's a trans character. There, there's like a, other characters that are slowly being introduced. She is um, amazing. But Nick, I think Nick is like every young gay boy has a crush on, had a crush on someone like Nick growing up, and I think that's also why it's this Nick kid is like he plays rugby. He's like sweet and yeah, has like a bit of fringe and oh, it's adorable. It's it's amazing. I'm so glad that you you've watched it, Joel. It's. Connor, you should you should definitely try it. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, I can't believe I hated it, and then I fell in love with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought the first episode was a weird vibe. Uh, the cartoons on it, I think it was like an introduction to that kind of language that I was just a bit like, oh, I don't like this. It's very kiddie, and then uh, it won me over because of just how sweet it was. Because then the cartoon animation has like real it like kind of takes your breath away there's this one moment where hands are about to be held maybe for the first time and the cartoons oh it's so cute you yeah yeah everyone who's listening has already watched it i'm sure but you know it it just is what it is um joel you are just so you you made me feel so at peace and just so delighted by this conversation this morning i am so grateful that you took the time to chat with us thank you no honestly it was such a pleasure thank you thank you yeah, now, Connor, where can everyone find Joel? 
Well, you're on Twitter and Instagram at Joel Harper Jacks, right? You guys, you do your research. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're ready. Oh, my God. Everyone's got to follow you to keep up with, with cock and everything you've got coming down. Everyone needs to stream your album, which is incredible, or buy it. Even better, they can buy it to help you make even more, more profit. I know. I want one of those, <laughs> those CDs. I want one of those physical copies. So, you know. Who doesn't love a physical copy, right? Address right. Us in the right. <laughs> <laughs> love it. And everyone should follow drama because if you loved our episode with Joel, you're also going to love all of our other episodes. We have, you know, a hundred plus, I don't even know how many at this point, every Wednesday, new episodes and follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple podcasts, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the drama podcast. You can follow Dylan at Dylan McDowell and me at Connor McDowell. Dylan, do you like how I kind of took the, the reins there? Oh, you did a great job. I usually do the outro. That that was wonderful, Connor. Um, Joel, I hope that you have a great rest of the run. And when we're when we're over on your side of the pond, we're gonna hit you yep. up. So be lovely. Please let me know. That'd be great. All right. And Connor, I'll see you next time. Drama. drama.